0: Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Katie. Yes, you heard that right. Kelly is back again. Your Barbie episode was a hit, girl. Was it? Yeah. I I don't normally talk about this, but it definitely has the most listens of like our last five or six episodes. It's Wow. A- yeah, it's a, it's a popular one, so yay, good so job. Glad. <laughs> you know, I just want
1: to give a shout out to um, a couple of the the women who listened to your podcast, um, said that, you know, it helped and they felt seen, so okay. I am so glad, and you know what, Katie, I have totally found out the reason why I had to go through this entire faith crisis on my own, um, you know, without people to talk to the beginning of it. I, I didn't have you guys. And so, um, I, I didn't have anyone to talk to. It was horrible. The amount of anxiety and stress that that entailed because nobody could relate. Right. Um, and my sister is actually going through her process of deconstructing the way, you know, the brainwashing from the church. And, uh, you know, she called me after the Barbie episode. She's like, I took notes and I was like, Oh my God, someone took notes. (laughs) Cute. I love Um, that. (laughs) I know. But she and I talked for like an hour and a half. And so I know that the reason that I went through this, if it's nothing more than to help my sister get through this process and get through it without having an emotional breakdown, then it's worth it.
0: Absolutely. And I'll tell you right now, you helped far more than just one person and I can relate to that so much because Sarah and I, our reason for starting this podcast was because I left the church way before her, and mm-hmm. I didn't know have anyone to talk to. There at the time, there weren't podcasts that existed that talked about uh, this. Other and, than Mormon Stories podcast, and that right. Was like and I didn't know about way it, too right? analytical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know about that, and so. I knew what it felt like to go through it alone, and then she went through it alone, and after a little while of deconstructing alone, she reached out to me, and so we were talking to each other, and we were like, oh, whoa, it's so nice that someone gets it, and and we wish that we had this right at the beginning of our faith crisis, and so that's why we started the podcast, is to have a community and to let people know that they're not going crazy, and they're not alone, and if we, our motto from day one was like, if we can help just one person, oh, then it's worth it. So I, I found- am, I'm so fucking proud of you too. Oh, like, I'm proud of you. Oh no, I wouldn't,
1: if it wasn't for you guys, I don't think I would have gotten through this. Like, oh. I don't even know how I found you. Um, I honestly, it was just like Instagram. I almost think you guys started following me or something. I don't know. Maybe I saw that I was following. I don't know. It was weird. Anyway, it was meant to be.
0: It was. Um, It It was was.
1: destiny. (laughs) Hashtag destiny. (laughs) Yeah. But Um, like, seriously, you guys changed my life. You uh, literally helped me get through some really deep trauma because you guys, you, you laughed about it the same way I do. Like, (laughs) We, we I wonder if it's just a Mormon thing like we've been
0: taught to smile through everything. and just you know what that's a good insight. It might be that you know. So now we just have to. Of course, we'll have our days when we cry and and all that. But sometimes you just have to laugh at what a shit show it was. I know, and the, you know we survived. So we survived. And- oh my God! I have another funny
1: story to tell you. Oh, when <laughs> go I- ahead and finish your
0: thought. Well, I was just gonna say uh, that kind of segues into our topic, but I'm gonna wait until you. Uh, no, <laughs> until let's you just tell to do it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay, you will tell after, right after we stop recording. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I so- totally forget that we're recording half the time, <laughs> <laughs> which is what makes it so great. Um, yeah. So speaking of that, so yeah, listeners, if you didn't know, Kelly and I, we didn't know each other before the podcast. She she found it somehow like she said and started listening and then she wrote to us she emailed us and um and then she joined on patreon and everything and now we we text each other we send each other memes we're close friends now and it's pretty amazing how that turned out that like without the podcast we never would have met I never we never would have known each other existed and um so it was kind of (laughs) miraculous if you pardon the pun but um (laughs) So that we met and we're friends. And and Kelly was was talking to me and we were saying, like, it's so difficult to make friends as an adult alone, let alone an adult ex-Mormon mm-hmm. when a lot of people, you know, are still Mormon or they've never been Mormon. And you're in this very weird limbo. Right. Yes. Of like, how do I who am I and how do I make friends? Because. I was in a cult and I didn't really know how to function and like talk to many people that were different from me before. Yeah, it's it's shocking.
1: And if you're not careful, you fall into that trap of another toxic community like I did. Um, So we'll get We'll get into that. But first, Katie, opening exercises. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, this is from opening exercises are me sharing a journal entry because <laughs> I kept like so many journals and it is just like the best I love it I love I was it hilarious too. <laughs> <laughs> okay September 6th 1998 two thirty a.m. I did clarify oh, that friends my
0: goodness
1: <clears throat> well I went on my first date My Y group leader, Clay, okay, Y group was the upperclassmen who kind of were like the parents for the lowerclassmen. So like the freshmen came in, we were given a Y group uh, that was ran by what you would call your Y group mom and dad, which makes Mm -hmm. it even more disturbing that that was my first day. But, you know, moving on, (laughs) I said, uh, Clay called me up today and asked me out. Of course, I said, yes. He's 25, though, and an RM. (laughs) So obviously, I was already thinking about marriage. You guys, I hadn't turned 18 yet.
0: Oh my God. So Clay is 25 years old, Uh and you're 17. Yeah. Oh dear God. Okay. (laughs) But he's an RM. So beep, beep, beep. And we're back. (laughs) We just had some major technical difficulties. And listen. We started this call uh, with (laughs) Kelly going, "Whoa, I can hear you. You're not echoey. Oh, look, we're connected. Oh, we paid the price for that. Yeah, Cheeto. Yeah, her cat (laughs) Cheeto sat on the power button, and then everything just went awry from there. But 45 minutes later, (laughs) we're back, and Kelly was telling us about her first date with Clay, who was 25 and she was 17. (laughs) Katie, you're getting to
1: realize um I don't just ride on the struggle bus. I like drive the bus. I own the bus. I promote the bus. <laughs> but I mean you got to the destination eventually. <laughs> I eventually do. This is literally my life, you guys. Okay, so we we clarified that um I was 17 and he was 25. Right?
0: I don't feel good about that.
1: Yeah, no. No, no. It this, that doesn't bode well. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> um we went with a group of four more couples up to wow. Squaw Peak. Yeah. Oh,
0: <gasps> Squaw Peak, you guys. That's makeout point in Utah oh, County. Sh-
1: well, we did not make out, my friends. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess if you're not a Mormon.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people, I couldn't spell squaw, so I put both a W and a U in there. Nice. I know. Okay. Uh, We went to Squaw Peak and had a campfire and dinner. It really was a lot of fun. I was the youngest there, of course, because I was like an infant. Um, Clay didn't even know I was still 17 until I flat out told him.
0: How could he not know?
1: I, you know what? It okay. Apparently, that was my fault.
0: Uh, right. Um, oh
1: God. Okay. Anyway, that's literally what I say. Anyway, everything went really well, and I had a ton of intelligent conversation, which was mega nice. <laughs> 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 that just kind of talks about BYU a little bit there. Clay is so old to me though, eight years. His birthday that he's eight years older than me, you guys. He's an entire like baptized child yeah. older than me yeah. <laughs> um, eight years his birthday is the day before mine, um so he was almost twenty six and I was almost eighteen. Wow. Um, He took me home, and we talked for a while, and this is all caps and underline, believe it or not, but he tried to all caps underline, kiss me. (laughs) I flat out told him no,
0: and he kept trying. Ew, Clay. That is assault, sir. If someone says no, it means
1: no. Yeah, and I didn't put this in here, um, Probably because I didn't want to remember it. But okay, I'll just keep going. Talk about putting a damper on a nice evening. He kept getting too close and wanted to lay down and look at the stars. I can't begin to say how many times I had to say no to this guy. I'm very disappointed. Okay, so he was like, yeah, he was super pushy. And I forgot like how pushy he was because I only remembered one thing about it. He was like, because I wouldn't kiss him. He's like, well, can I at least touch her lips? (gasps) And he took his finger. I know. He took his finger forward and, like, tried to touch my lips. I had to, like, grab him and, like, look down to the left and get away from him. And now, interestingly enough, when I get triggered, that's a movement I make is I look down into the left really fast with my head. It's really kind of annoying. But, um, yeah, so... Anyway, that was um, my first date at BYU, and it yeah. didn't get much better after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so, terrible. And I know. Blake needs to go fuck himself because that's awful. And Gave you yeah. lifelong trauma. Great. Mm-hmm. It totally
1: did. It totally did. But you know, he was the one who kind of gave me the idea of getting a tattoo that was like church-related because then they wouldn't be mad about it. Um, <laughs> so that's why my first tattoo was like a scripture written on my <laughs> wrist.
0: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Clay, for you know that. Uh, yikes. Yeah, and you know. It's really sad that um, the amount of women I've heard tell stories like this, and something similar to this in many instances actually has also happened to me, where Mormon guys are way too pushy and they just they don't take no for an answer, and it's unacceptable. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, that fuck you, Clay.
0: Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> well, thank you. better thing yes now we're moving on to the topic which <laughs> Kelly Kelly picked which is making friends as the next Mormon right yep, yep. Uh, so what are your thoughts tell me tell me your thoughts um
1: I have a lot of them and you know I'm actually super curious about what it was like growing up in Utah around Mormons and how hard that must have been leaving that community. Um, because you know, like church is so insular, like mm-hmm. you're there three hours on Sunday, and the moms typically are only friends with other Mormon moms, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, Outside of the bubble, like I grew up in Texas and um, also Northern California, there weren't a lot of members when I was growing up. So I did make friendships outside of the church. Shocking. Mm-hmm. I and You guys, I have friends. I have so many people who love me and care about me and who are there for me when I'm ready to turn to them. That's the thing is being ready to be vulnerable with another person, like taking off that mask, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um And because, you know, the reason I feel that way is because of how we were raised in the church. Like your friend pool is so limited, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, and also, you know, I, I talked about last time, I can't remember when I talked about it, but I was left behind when my parents moved, right? Oh, right. Yeah. And like that sucks. And, you know, it's not a big deal, but I was literally teased about it for the rest of my life until like recently about how they, you know, just went back to get the cat or you know, because I wasn't—I was born in in Oregon, um, and I was a C-section baby. They're like, oh, you know, mom and dad just picked you off the side of the road. You were in a box. You know, stuff like that. Like uh, stuff siblings say. Yeah. But was like next level bad. And you know, like the other day, this is how fucked up my family is. The other day, my brother was like, oh, you were the failed abortion, and
0: I was like, what the fuck? Oh my god. <laughs> So that's not
1: cool. I know, but then you hear me laughing about it because I'm just like, that's so. I know he didn't mean to say that. I know he felt terrible about it, but I was just like, that's just how the the kind of environment like that I was raised up in. So, you know, you you your friendship pool is super limited when you're in a smaller community. Um, so I I ended up developing friendships with people who were not so great and. Mm-hmm it was encouraged because they were members. Oh yeah. And like, uh, one of my foundation of like, I guess it's like the first long friendship that I had was with this girl named, um, Kathy Duncan calling you out, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she lived in, uh, she was Mormon. Obviously her family was super into the church and, um, they, They were a large family, OBS, and um, they had like four older sisters. And y'all, these girls were horrible, like horrible, manipulative, toxic people. My sister was actually friends with um, the oldest, and she has her own stories to share because, you know, we we both really have bonded over our trauma in the church. Um, But, like, just an example, I, uh, Kathy and I were running around Upstairs and you know I just had A shirt on and I ran next to her Sister Becky and her sister Becky goes Jiggle 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 as I was running By and So that yeah that was the Kind of friends That I had Uh Um, And that those were formative years Yeah so But you know because they're members of the church and they go To church on Sunday and their parents pay their tithing They're good Um yeah. Anyway, They're so part of I, the in-group, yeah. Exactly. And I had this constant anxiety of, you know, she would do these things where she she literally um, – <laughs> this is awful. But she, like, told me that I had to ask my mom about the birds and the bees, like, about sex. And if I didn't, she would not let me come to her house. She would not be my friend anymore. What? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I already knew about the birds and bees, man. We had Barbies, and they were they were boning all the time. But, like <laughs> – It was just this control thing to try and make me do something. So
0: She sounds terrible.
1: She is. She is terrible. But, like, you know, it it had to be different for you because, I mean, you couldn't get away from those people, but you had a larger pool to choose from, right?
0: Yeah, I guess that's the thing is that almost everybody, because I, you know, obviously I grew up in Orem, Utah, right next to BYU. So nearly everybody is Mormon, so, yeah, you do have a larger pool, but you're kind of forced in a way to to interact with and be friends with the people, the, the people your age that are in your ward. Mm-hmm. Right. Um,
1: yeah, that's very good.
0: So point. that's like kind of where it starts and you have your friends in primary and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, I mean, as I got older, obviously you make friends just at school, but I, I would say that nearly all of them were Mormon. And so then when I lost my faith, when I started losing my faith after high school, it was this weird transition period where I don't believe, but I was almost like pretending to still believe because I didn't have any, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere else. And, and then, you know, you, I, I think what kind of got me out of that mindset was moving out of Utah oh. County. I moved. I moved up to Salt Lake City, and there's a lot more uh, diversity there. Still not very much, but way more than Utah County. And I was able to interact with and meet other people that uh, I, we didn't ever really talk about religion. But it was like, you know, you could tell they had the signs. Like they would drink coffee, and so you're like, yes. Oh. And and uh, so you kind of make those friendships. But then, especially for me. Moving to Phoenix was huge. I mean, yeah. it it really helped me separate that by the old me, you know, my almost like kind of still pretending to be Mormon side mm-hmm. into like who I really am. But then um, being separated from everyone I'd ever grown up with and anyone I'd even met in Salt Lake City, it was like starting brand new, fresh, making yeah. friends here, yeah. which is like making friends as, a, as an adult is not easy.
1: <laughs> Super complicated. Yeah. And I imagine, Katie, I didn't even think about this. Did you guys stay in the same house in the same ward for like multiple years?
0: Yes. Um. We moved into the house that my parents live in now when I was three, and they still live in <gasps> it. So Holy I lived there. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah, so I was in that same house, like, and with the same ward my entire life. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh wow, that's that's yeah. insane. So, like. Because I had some of my friends listen to this podcast, and they don't know a lot about Mormonism. Some of them are super fascinated by it. I think mm-hmm. everybody is, but yeah, um, again, I want to emphasize that a ward is your just your close community, like especially yeah. in the mormon uh, in Mormon land, also mm-hmm. known as Orem Provo, Utah. it's like not very big. You have so many wards in just neighborhoods because right. there are so many members, right?
0: Right. So, yeah, like your your whole everyone on your street will go to your say ward and that's the congregation you meet with. And you have an assigned time to go to the church house, which is different than a temple. <laughs> yeah. And you go to that ward at that specific time to have your meetings. And then other people that could live maybe just two streets over are in a different ward because, like Kelly said, it's so compact there. Um, but whereas for you in like Texas, wasn't it just spread out so wide any members could find within like miles and miles?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was,
0: that was totally
1: different. And, you know, that's just that just shows, Katie, how hard it is for for women who are so enmeshed in the church to leave mm-hmm. and to feel like they'll have people who understand them, which is why this podcast is so important. Oh. You guys. Thank and you. it doesn't just relate to people who are members of the Mormon church. Like any time you're in that environment where your entire life is around this one thing, mm-hmm. you're going to it's going to be difficult to to reach outside of that mm-hmm. um, because you don't have anything in common with those people. And it's just weird. Like they don't understand your obsession. Right.
0: Right. Right. And, and kind of changing your. Your mindset um, from I I mean, luckily, I grew up with parents who like they did have friends who weren't LDS and they still do. So I I saw that, you know, not all non-members are bad. But on the flip side, when you're in church and you're getting lessons, a lot of the lessons are kind of centered on like we're right. We're the safe place. And the world is evil and influenced by Satan. And other people who aren't members of our faith they don't have the holy ghost and be wary of them right so you you have to get out of the mindset of like i'm i'm only safe in the church and i don't trust people who aren't religious or or of a different religion or whatever and that was something i had to get over is the fear of other people because being raised in it that's you know, even if you have parents who try to teach you to be accepting, you're still part of a church that's teaching you otherwise.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a good point. And
0: it, it's hard because you've grown, you've gone your whole life or however many years up to the point where you lose your faith. And not only is that staggering, but then you're like, well, you know, you when you do leave, you have the tells. Like I said earlier, like if someone mm-hmm. sees you with coffee or if they see you with a beer or if you get a tank text- top. Or, a tank top, or
1: something as simple as like not having sleeves. Seriously, you guys. Right.
0: Yeah. Or you drink some green tea. Then the, all the people who used to be your friends that were LDS, then they they start to see you as the other, even yep. if they not, even if it's subconscious because of how it's been ingrained in you in the church. And then you're also when you're leaving, you're not quite like the others. I'm going to mm-hmm. quote unquote, yet because you haven't had sex, you haven't had alcohol, you haven't done any of these, you haven't even rated, watched watched a rated R movie maybe, you know? So yeah. you're like, very weird space, especially when you first leave of like, I don't know where I fit and I know these people probably still care about me, but I don't feel like I'm me in either spot.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And God, yeah, it's fascinating to to hear your side of it because it's so completely different from what I experienced growing up in rural Texas, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm so lucky that, you know, I was able to live in rural Texas and go to school at Honeygrove High School um, because I created some really awesome friendships there. I was able to have friends and make friends. And that didn't change, you know, until I you know, I went to BYU mm-hmm. and, um, you know, also like before I moved a lot, I moved a lot. And so whenever you would go into new communities, that's where you would go for your friends initially is the church, right? Because the right?
0: they're kind of like your built-in friends or they're supposed to be.
1: <laughs> right. They're your built-in community. And so, you know, not having that, In you know not having any really good friends in the Mormon Church and literally nobody I would hang out with, Um, and and go drag the strip in Lamar. Oh God, those (laughs) were the days. Um, But you know I I found my place where I tried to find my place at Honey Grove, and so when I moved because you know Kathy Duncan when they moved away and then you know, we, we completely disconnected. We had been like, quote, best friends for about maybe five years, four or five years. And then she moved and then that was it. And so I, whenever I would move, I, I wouldn't even try to keep friendships because I was like, Ech, out of sight, out of mind. Because again, remember you guys, I was left behind a three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that made it difficult. And then when you're so you never really feel like you fit in, or at least I didn't. Yeah. And um, because I don't really fit in with the the kids at at school because they're all Baptist or Church Christ or whatever, and or shaking holy rollers, I don't know. But um, that when I moved to BYU and I you know left those friends behind and stopped communicating with them because they were not members, and you know I was I was. Also, out of sight, out of mind, they they obviously didn't want to communicate with me, which wasn't true. Um, you know, I'm finding as I go through my stuff in um, all the souvenirs and all the things that I've saved my entire freaking life, I got letters from these people. I got phone calls from these people and I didn't feel like I was worth them continuing to to pour themselves into this friendship. Right. And that you know reminds me of how we started this this how we came up with this whole idea is because in the barbie episode i said i imagine that's what friendship would be like and that's really sad um because you know i do have friends but i don't i don't know how to I don't know how to trust the situation just because of how, you know, I was raised and, um, it got worse after, you know, I got married to somebody I barely knew. We moved to Georgia and I didn't know anybody there. We lived in an apartment and, you know, I was apartment people. So I already felt othered going into the ward, which is supposed to be my family, my built in community. Um, and I just felt extremely isolated and, um, you know, after I had kids, like I, I didn't really have friends because, you know, you, you just have these surface friendships when you're in the church. Right. Like you're not really allowed to talk about real things. Did you notice that, Katie?
0: Yeah, it was very rare if you had, you know, there. I only had a very few LDS friends that were like wanting to talk about deep things. And even then you can't really get too deep. Like, no. Yeah, because it, it makes people uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. And that vulnerability, if it's not associated with your feelings about the church, is not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I ended up after I had kids, after I had my oldest, um, I joined this little jamboree class. And like that is what helped me, you know, eventually get out Of the church is because I developed these incredible friendships with these women that, of course, you know, once I moved to Austin, I disconnected from because that's what I do. Um, But I had these incredible friendships with these women who were not members who, you know, drank and one of them smoked occasionally. A couple of them smoked occasionally. One of them even did weed, you guys. (laughs)
0: Did weed?
1: Yes, she she did drugs. She was, you know, in my opinion, a drug addict. Um, but I was still friends with her, you know, so good for me. But uh, after, you know, I got divorced, and you know, I felt like I, I did lose a lot of friends in the church when I was going through my divorce. I had a lot of of pushback, and I didn't have a lot of people who wanted to. Keep in touch with me because, you know, I was, you guys, I was working my way out of the church and I'm the last person they want to be around. And whenever they're around you, they want to bear their testimony to you. They want to try and, you know, say, I'm just so happy. And I had so many people do that to me. I'm just so happy in the church. And, you know, if you leave, you know, just think of all you're going to lose and all this stuff. And these are people who you consider friends, right? Mm-hmm. And I can imagine I, you probably went through the same thing as well, um, because those kids you've been friends with your entire life.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and I think it just makes them. Sometimes it's even with the best of intentions too, like yes, because they want to save your soul. They don't. They want you to get to heaven. And also, yeah, they. It's, oh yeah. It's the whole thing, like they think that they're doing it for the right reasons, but it's actually not helpful because you're, you can't force yourself to believe something that you don't believe after you have found out that it's not true, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. So that and... would be
0: being disingenuous on my part to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I believe. Cause like, I, I don't, and I can't force myself to.
1: Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, also had a uh, had the opposite side where I had somebody that I cared very deeply about um, who wasn't active in the church. And, you know, it was somebody I was very close to and it devastated me. Like I was devastated when they told me that they weren't really believing in the church anymore because Mm -hmm. I was so concerned for them.
0: Yeah. And honestly, that's why I don't, I don't bring it up with my, I I still have, you know, a handful of Mormon friends and my whole family is LDS. And it's why I don't bring it up to them with them, because I don't want to break their heart. You know, I I know I've been on the flip side when I knew someone who left the church. And I know that feeling of where you get so fearful for them and you just Mm want to like save them. So I don't want to put them through that, you know. Right. But then it's 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 like slightly awkward because they know that I'm out, but it's like not something we talk about. So I can't expose that side of me to them fully. And it kind of stops that connection a little bit.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So. You you know, I left this community basically for another one, because at the end of my uh, at the end of my marriage and when I was really kind of falling away from the church, I got into cycling and, um, because me being me and I have to, you know, try and fit in wherever I, I wanted to be competitive. And so I got on a team and I became a competitive cyclist who, you know, it's like, it's like you guys, it's so dumb. Like (laughs) cycling in America (laughs) is kind of a joke. And yet I wanted to be like the tallest munchkin in munchkin land. Right. Um, (laughs) so I really was like pushing and trying to force my way to fit. And, Oh, excuse me. And I'm not athletically inclined. Like I, I work out a lot, but I, I'm not like, I mean, you can't be a competitive, like kickbox, you know, just cardio kickboxer, like punching the air. Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, I fit in this community when I was riding and racing. And then when I got injured and, um, wasn't racing anymore these people were my only friends Mm. and I was so worried that leaving that would I would lose all of my friendships because again you know you move from different ward to different ward and you don't stay in contact with those people you just create this new environment you get you shove your way somewhere else where you're trying to fit and I didn't fit it just wasn't the right fit for me. And, but I fought it because, you know, I had been in this world for like five years. It's how I met my husband. It's, you know, it was an outlet for me and it got me through some really tough times. But when I, I mean, I created a a huge toxic environment for myself because I created the team. So I would have friends, you guys, how sad is that? Um, And the reason that I kept pushing for, my cycling team to grow and to be better was so I wouldn't lose people along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, you know, for several years I had the same women on my team and it was a really tight, tight little environment. And, um, you know, I had these friendships and then one of them left the team for something better. And I was just like, I need to be better. I need to be good enough. I'm not good enough because they left me. Um, because again, you guys, I, I was, you know, I permanence, like if somebody leaves, they're gone forever. Right. And, uh, so I, I started giving them things like, I mean, from the very beginning, I made sure to give them things, um, because I never felt like I was worth some, you know, because I hadn't gained any long time friendships, really. I never felt like I could just. Bring anything. Like I, obviously, I wasn't good enough, so I had to give something in order for people to like me. Uh. Because, I mean, Katie, it's like such a natural transition if if you think about it. Because, you know, we're taught to serve others, and to give, and to you know always put others' needs first. And so, if you combine my headspace with that, like push for um, you know serving others so that they like you it's bad. And it, it just created this horrible, horrible environment for myself to where I didn't trust a lot of the people around me because, you know, I, it, it's pretty cutthroat in that environment. Um, the women are extremely competitive with one another. Uh, and it, it was, it was awful. It was awful. Um, I did make a couple of really amazing friends, um, but it's, you know, when I quit the team and like, it got to the point where I couldn't sustain it anymore. Again, I felt like I'd lost everybody because I had created my own cult. Yeah. So,
0: you know, it sounds like, and it could be a mixture of things. And obviously I'm not like a therapist or whatever, but it sounds like
1: we are not therapists, but we've been through (laughs) a lot of therapy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We just, we just chatted out. Um, it sounds like from maybe multiple factors, but also the, the church and the church's teachings that you might have like some uh, fear of abandonment issues. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: when, if something changes, you're so fearful that you kind of do things in excess to yes. make people like you instead of just believing that they like you for you, which is heartbreaking.
1: Yes, it's so sad. It really is because you guys, when you leave the Mormon church and you start sinning, they are not your friends anymore because they have to disassociate from you.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very rare to have a Mormon friend that will, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the rare friend that you have a glass of wine around them and they're Mormon that they'll, they'll not be uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can't really be vulnerable with them because they don't want to hear what you're going through because it terrifies them
0: right cuz in their head they're like well that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't left the church you know
1: exactly exactly yeah. so
0: Oof. yeah so we were talking about this and about yeah how it's hard to make friends i mean it, it, it's it's hard enough just to make friends at all but then kelly was saying like this is just how do how do you make friends as an adult and especially as an adult ex mormon and um, I was thinking about it, and in in my personal experience, I, w- I realized that first of all, a lot of my friends come to me through my partner, my fiance, because mm-hmm. he he is was never baptized, um, and was never wasn't religious, and he ha- so he has a lot of friends who aren't religious, and I've become friends with them, and that's been awesome, and. I also made friends through places that I worked, which is Mm -hmm. also a a great way to do it. But I also, the the coolest thing is that I live in my neighborhood. I I live in this little community and there's a bunch of women that live in here. And one of them, I want to give her a little shout out, Donette. Hi, Donette. She listens. Hi, Donette. She flagged me down one day when I was on a walk. And she's so social and fun and bubbly. And she invited me to go to this. Uh, activity with these women where they do water like aerobics.
2: Oh how
0: fun. I went and I met these women and uh, of course none of them are Mormon but they all have been so welcoming to me and ever since we get together every now and then and just do things and it's like it's so refreshing because I, I always had this this like thought in my head growing up of like are they safe if they're Mormon? And it's like, they, there's communities all around. Yeah. Fun, beautiful, joyful people that are doing all these cool things. And it's been really fun lately, like learning about all these other people and kind of putting myself a little bit more out there and also keeping in touch with like friends that I have from Utah and stuff. But it is it is difficult, you know? It's mm-hmm. like <laughs> So um, I asked our listeners on Instagram, what they do to make friends with an ex-Mormon. And do you want to hear some of that?
1: I would love to hear this.
0: Okay. um, This person said they have book clubs in library events. That's fun. Oh, I love that. Oh, and Dusty from Not So Peter Priesthood said she takes library classes that are called sit and knit. And she said, I'm an old woman, actually. But that sounds fun. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. Someone yeah. said they go. They go to bars because there's no Mormons there. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's safe space. Right. And uh, someone said, move out of Utah if you can. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let's see. I, I met most of my current friends at queer events and spaces. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, happy hours. And some people have said that they've made friends through like our content and through the podcast. It made (gasps) my heart so happy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much. That's so cute. Yeah. Um, there's exercise classes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, let's see what does this one say? Yeah. For me, it was leaving Utah or going to mommy classes, like mommy and me classes, um, reached out to friends that you knew left the church and mm-hmm. being, trying to make friends at your job if you can. I mean, That's there's hard. all kinds of ways to do it, but um, those were just some of the suggestions. And I was like, yeah, it's hard, too, when you have, like, social anxiety. Like, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. You guys. Oh, like, oh.
0: go, go to a workout class or, like, go to a meetup. And it's like, oh, God, like, what do I say? I'm so nervous. I'm so sweaty. <laughs> even yeah. though probably gonna be really nice to you but it's just like growing up having that built-in ward friendship you didn't really have to like put yourself out there that much
1: (laughs) you know what's funny I just thought about with uh, ward friendships it's like you get judged as soon as you walk in the door like what you're wearing how you look and those girls the women depending on where they fall in their little cliques they will try and get you, like basically welcome you into their little group. <laughs> and the groups don't necessarily intermix. <laughs> you know very...
0: what? I I had that that is a long locked away memory, but it there is one hundred percent clicks at church, which is so silly. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it's gonna happen anywhere because yeah, like the yeah. women are the women especially in the church, they're competing with one another for perfection. So yeah. it's yeah. You know, Absolutely.
0: It's, Mm-hmm. absolutely there's definitely a lot of cattiness going on
1: yeah yep
0: which is ironic because it's at church where you're supposed to be being
1: christ-like <laughs> yeah but it's like it's like you'll say something like oh my gosh she you know she was so mean to her husband she made him sleep on the couch oh my and, god you know it's just like stupid shit that you like <laughs> gossip about it's nothing real it's yeah just whatever they're doing that's bad and not in line with Mormonism.
0: <laughs> One time I walked into my young woman's class and I was wearing this super, super cute blue dress that had these like big blue polka dots on it. And it was, it went down to like just above my knee. Mm-hmm. And this girl in my class just like stares at me and goes, isn't that the dress that you got sent home from school in because it's too short? <gasps> Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that kind of attitude, right? And I'm like, oh, jeez, okay. Wow. <laughs> this is That's a good thing to be next. focused on. Yeah.
1: That's <laughs> next level.
0: Do they have that strict of? Is that still
1: a thing? That strict um,
0: of a. I mean, it was when I I I, I don't know anyone in high school on YouTube. Well, actually, I do. I should ask. I should ask my
1: that's really up. bizarre
0: <laughs> yeah it might they might have loosened up the rules but I mean when I was going to high school it was not loose rules
1: <laughs> wow oh my gosh yeah um, that's what sucks about growing up
0: in yeah. Utah mm-hmm. um I have something I, I want to share too Jeez. I asked I asked Sarah her thoughts because she you know she had a different experience from me and you she went she moved to Berlin as a believing garment wearing Mm -hmm. member and lost her faith there. And I just asked her like, was it how was the transition? What you know how was it leaving? What were your friendships like and what were your thoughts? So I'm gonna play a little clip from Oh
2: yay, Sarah. So here we go. So making friends after leaving the church as an ex Mormon, I found it It was a bit of both for me in that I found it easy because I had, I already had friends who were outside of the Mormon church in Berlin, especially. Um, So most of my colleagues and um, people I saw on a day-to-day basis and hung out with were ex-Mormon. Sorry, they weren't ex-Mormon. They were never Mo's. So it was relatively easy to make the switch. I think the only thing was it was a bit Embarrassing on my side because I went from being the person who was like, "Oh, I don't drink and I don't, you know, do drugs or talk about, you know, naughty things uh, in the office," to all of a sudden like, I am that person who does that thing. So I felt like I had to explain myself to everyone, which made maybe the the transition even harder because I was already dealing with like the guilt and. Mm you know, uh, yeah, feeling guilty for drinking or whatever. And then I felt like there was this extra spotlight on me because everyone knew that I used to not drink. And then all of a sudden I am drinking. So it was like brought to the center of everyone's attention. Like, oh, Sarah's like no longer Mormon. And so that kind of, I think, made it more difficult. Um, but also kind of just like ripped the Band-Aid off, right? So I think on that aspect, it was relatively easy to make friends after I left the church but then on the other side I was craving that connection to be able to talk about my experience and I felt like yes. a lot of didn't get it and so that made the whole experience also even more lonely and that I made friends but I really needed to talk about what I was going through and um, like all the range of emotions but I couldn't do that really because no one understood it, I could try my best, and they were really lovely and supportive and would help me, but I wasn't able to, like, I felt a bit frustrated and, like I said, lonely because I couldn't get that validation or support I guess I needed because they didn't fully understand, right? So, that part, I think, was difficult, Um, and I also just felt like, you know, I don't know, embarrassed, like I said, I think it was is the right word and a bit especially when it came to dating and stuff like I felt really naive and embarrassed um and like you know talking to like becoming friends with people then having to explain like oh I was a part of a cult where there was no drinking there was no coffee no tea and sex and they'd be like wait how old are you again you know so that part was really cringy and embarrassing as well and a whole other level of like I I guess yeah it was just this constant, like sometimes it was nice to share your story and then other times it was like, I just wish I didn't have to share it. To just be me and not have to talk about that experience, you know?
0: Yeah. Isn't that great?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, I, I love Sarah.
2: I love her so
0: much. And I thought what she said was so brilliant in like, you, you feel lonely and you want to talk to someone about it, but you don't know who a lot of times and also oh, yeah. how you're so vulnerable because you're on display, like, cause the church has controls you even down to like what you wear, what you watch, what you read, what you, what you consume. And so when you start doing the things that are outside of their rules, then it, it's like, oh, everybody's watching you. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. That <laughs> shit, that was, that was powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And also that's what makes, I, I swear y'all, they don't pay me to do this, but that's what makes this community so special is um you saw a need and you filled a need and um you gave people that opportunity to hear stories that validated them and um you know it's 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 not just that it's um it's that you you know you're so welcoming and so warm and it doesn't just apply to mormons like You know, it's anybody who comes from that toxic environment and, um, you know, there's so many high demand religions um, that people can relate to this. Uh, And that's so important for us to to have people to to go to, Um, because when we're trying to tell other people like and you see their eyes start glassing over or they're just really confused because they don't know. Well, yeah, what you're talking about.
0: It's it's so hard to explain it all because it's so complex. There's, I mean, what do we have? Two hundred and thirty something episodes where we talk for over an hour and that's just scraping the surface. It's like you could keep talking and talking and talking and people are like. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before with people who have. <laughs> they didn't grow up Mormon, and a lot of them they're really like interested, but then after a while they're like, it's just too confusing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, like,
1: it's a lot. They're it's like, a lot. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! How on earth did she believe the earth was only six thousand years old?
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri. And oh yeah, you guys. Just so was. many weird, weird things. Even just attempting to explain Mormon heaven. is so complex that people are are, they can't it's just too weird (laughs) honestly
1: it it absolutely is
0: so yeah to have people when you discover that someone else was an ex-mormon or ex of a whatever crazy religion or they're just genuinely interested it's it's really nice to talk about it it's refreshing yeah yeah I uh I went to lunch with a friend the other day and she brought another friend that I hadn't met before and she was telling me that um they asked she asked me where I grew up and I was like, Oh, Orem, it's like my Provo, do you know BYU? And she was like, Yes, my boyfriend went there. And I was like, Oh, he did? Is he still active? And she was like, No, 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 no. He's very much like anti Mormon now. And I was like, Oh, Yay. well, I would like to chat with him sometime. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because it's just really it's really fun. And that's a really good way to bond and make friends too, which is really kind of ironic, you know? Like I know. <laughs> you bonded being Mormon and then you bond being ex-Mormon.
1: <laughs> oh, you always were gonna find our people.
0: Oh, yeah. but I'm so glad that you found the, the podcast. Yeah. Reached so many people. I mean, yeah, and and you guys, you feel free. I in every single um episode, I link our email so you can always email us um disclaimer it might take us a long time to reply but <laughs> they're, the email is always open and you can count you can consider me and sarah and kelly your yes. friends
1: absolutely absolutely
0: yeah um did you want to say anything else did you have any other thoughts about this? um
1: you know i just actually do want to give a little shout out to my friends um because if you're listening to this, I know you're my friend. And um, thank you for listening. And also, thank you for offering to listen. Um, You know, it is it is very hard for me to take off the mask because I struggle with believing that people are going to stay when they see the real me. So it is hard for me to fully open up to people and um, just continue being patient with me and loving me. And that's it. Thanks for being thank, my friends.
0: And thank you for being vulnerable and putting it all out there. I know it's, I know it's hard. So. Oh God. Yes.
1: And it's yeah. so good that it's with you because like, seriously, I forget all the time that we are recording because <laughs> it's so, it just literally, this is just what I need. It's like oh. just getting it out. But um, yeah, I always have a little bit of like um, regret after. Cause I'm like, Oh God. Um, but nobody sees my face and I don't see yours. So
0: (laughs) it's safe. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's safe and it's good to get it out. Like you said. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.